history, apologetics, and current events. From the housetops, coming up next. The Sacrifice Which the Infant Jesus in the Temple Made to His Father Jesus Christ, from the time of his entrance into the world, had indeed said to his Father, as David and St. Paul tell us, Sacrifice and oblation thou wouldst not, but a body thou hast fitted me. Holocausts for sin did not please thee. Then said I, Behold, I come. In the head of the book it is written of me that I should do thy will, O God. But this sacrifice was made in the secret of his heart. Now he comes to make it public and solemn, in company with Mary and Joseph, the old man Simeon and Anna the prophetess, who were permitted to be the happy witnesses of it. Let us admire this sublime offering, destined to take the place of all the ancient sacrifices. While Mary presents in her pure hands the child God to his father, he abases himself before the eternal majesty. He adores him with highest esteem, with profoundest reverence, and he consecrates to him the whole of his being. And he offers himself as the universal victim in the name of the whole creation. Oh, how glorious for God was this day, and how precious for us. It is the day which the prophets foresaw. At the sight of this divine offering, who does not feel at the bottom of his heart that it is a duty for him to consecrate himself wholly to the Lord and to say to him in union with the adorable victim of today, I am wholly thine, O my God, to serve thee. My possessions, my body and soul, all is dependent on thy sovereign power. I give them up entirely into thy hands. I no longer belong to myself. O who will enable me to understand these words? I am no longer my own. Therefore, I ought not to seek myself in anything. No more self-will, no more attachments, no more self-love. Whether I am placed in a high or low condition, whether I am remembered or whether I am forgotten, whether I am praised or blamed, what does it matter? I am no longer my own. I am wholly thine, O my God. Let then thy good pleasure dispose of me and of all the moments of my existence as thou willest. I will never complain. I will always adore and bless thy will in regard to me, for I am no longer my own. The love with which the infant Jesus makes his sacrifice. Two sentiments led the infant Jesus to the temple. The love of God, his father, and the love of men, his new brethren. The fortieth day after his birth, he caused himself to be born to the temple. Up to that time, the offering of the firstborn, according to the prescription of the law, had derived all its merit from the pious disposition of the parents, and the newborn child, who was still devoid of reason, could not add any value to it. But in this case, it was quite otherwise. With what love of God Jesus offered himself to his Father to glorify him, and with what love for men he immolates himself that he may save them. Oh, what a mystery! These men are a thousand times unworthy of his love. They have outraged him. They will still outrage him. And yet he loves them to such a degree that he offers himself as a sacrifice for them. He foresees all it will cost him, of humiliations, of suffering, of bitter sorrows, to save them. It does not matter. Such is the ardor of his love that he heartily accepts all that he foresees of sacrifices. He offers his august head that it may one day wear the crown of thorns. 
He offers his feet and his hands to receive the impression of the nails, all his little body to be torn and wounded, all his soul to be imbued with shame and contempt, and his heart, his heart so loving to be transpierced through and through by the lance of a soldier. O Savior God, how did you love me on the day of thy presentation? What heart, while meditating on these things, could help being melted with love? Oh, how well you teach me thereby what love is when it burns the heart. He who loves God and his brethren is capable of the greatest sacrifices. O love, come then and consume me so that I may live only to love. Let us adore the infant Jesus reposing in the arms of the holy old man Simeon, enlightening his mind with living lights and filling his heart with the sweetest consolations. Let us ask him to let us have a share in the graces bestowed upon this holy old man. How Simeon prepared himself to meet Jesus in the temple. The Gospel tells us this in the following words. There was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. This man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Ghost was in him. Let us study all the features of this beautiful portrait. First, Simeon was just and feared God. That is to say, he possessed every virtue. He very carefully avoided all sin, and he spent his whole life in the love and service of God. Second, he lived in the expectation of the consolation of Israel. That is to say, that detached from everything else, he desired nothing in the world but to see Jesus Christ and then to die. Third, the Holy Ghost was in him. That is to say, that filled with the Holy Ghost, he was in all things led by the light and the movements of this divine spirit. He consulted it, and the Holy Ghost answered him, directing all his thoughts, all his sentiments, all his acts. And in these pious interviews, the Holy Ghost had told him that he should not see death until he had seen the Messiah, the expected of the nations. Such was the holy life which prepared Simeon for his happy meeting with Jesus in the temple. We also are called to amiable meetings with Jesus in our churches, in our visits to the Blessed Sacrament, in communion, at Holy Mass. Do we appreciate this favor as Simeon appreciated it? Do we desire it as he did? Do we prepare ourselves like him by a pure life, by flying from sin, by the practice of virtue, by union with the Spirit of God, and our docility to his holy inspirations? the joy and sorrows of Simeon in the temple. Warned by the Holy Ghost of the day and hour when Jesus would arrive in the temple, the holy old man betakes himself joyfully there. The Spirit of God reveals to him the Messiah for whom he had waited in the divine child, to which neither priest nor people paid any attention. He approaches and lovingly contemplates him. At the sight of him his heart overflows with happiness, Mary, happy to meet so worthy an adorer of her dear son, places him in Simeon's arms. And who could express with what ecstatic joy he receives this precious treasure? How he pressed him to his breast, watered him with his tears, covered him with his kisses. And these holy embraces, his heart inundated with the delights of paradise, could say nothing else but what is contained in his magnificent canticle, Lord, Thou hast until now detained my soul in the prison of my body. 
to allow me to behold the Savior of Israel and the light of the nations. Now that this happiness has been given to me, I have nothing more to desire here below. Let death come. It is my one desire. Such is, in souls well prepared, the fruit of a good communion. By it we possess Jesus not in our arms, but, what is much better, in our hearts. And this intimate alliance of the creature with his creator detaches the heart from all which is not God. We love God. We enjoy him. All the world is as nothing to him who possesses so great a treasure. And we desire nothing else but to die to love him more perfectly and always. At the same time, however, with these ineffable joys of the holy old man were mingled also ineffable sorrows. God, enlightening him in regard to the future, showed him in the course of years, first, the divine infant, a sign of contradiction, second, the heart of Mary pierced with a sword of suffering, third, the Savior of Israel, becoming the ruin of a great number of people, and the secret thoughts of many brought to light on the last day. How greatly did these revelations afflict his loving soul? What, Jesus so amiable, a sign of contradiction, he shall have as opponents those who will not accept the austere doctrine of the gospel, respecting suffering, renunciation, the violence which alone can conquer the kingdom of heaven. Mary shall be the queen of martyrs? Yes, through the part that she will take in the sorrows of Calvary and in the loss of so many souls. The Savior of men shall be the ruin of many and will reveal their most secret thoughts. Yes, he will be the ruin of those who will not save themselves, and he will reveal on the great day of his justice their most hidden thoughts. Oh, how terrible it is not to love Jesus and not to profit by the redemption he offers us. From the Housetops is a Catholic periodical dedicated to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Its purpose is to proclaim the faith clearly and without compromise. Each issue of From the Housetops offers the priceless truth and wisdom of the Catholic faith through inspirational lives of the saints and timeless treasures of Catholic doctrine. To get subscription information, back issues, and a free copy, go to saintbenedict.com, S-A-I-N-T, benedict.com, and look for From the Housetops. Hello, this is Sandra Roth from St. Bernard's Parish in Fitchburg. Thank you for listening to 89.3 FM, WQPH, Early Fitchburg. Hi, I want to share with you that we all have a guiding angel, powerful one, that our Lord has given to us from birth. And the angel will direct us and will protect us from all the evil around us. He is the most best friend you could ever have in life. He comes night and day. He's always around you. Pray for these people. They don't know they have a guiding angel. Pray for your children's guiding angel because a lot of the children don't even think of it. So pray, pray hard, because there's many angels in this world. They try to help us, and many people don't even know about it. So I ask everybody that's listened to the radio station to spread the word about the angels, because they are there to help us. Thank you. On the WQPH Community Calendar. In 2023, 
We're expecting to have tour two of the Holy Face Relic with Vicki Schreiner. As you know, she came here last year. We had five really major miracles happen. She's hoping to come in Lent. So if you want to be on the committee or maybe have her come to your church, we'd like to send her to different churches this time. Call us at 978-343-0893 and say, I'd like to have Vicki come to our parish, but I'm going to ask my priest first if he'd like us to come. Also, we have coming up in Lent, 40 hours, which is 40 continuous hours of Eucharistic adoration. We also have a pilgrimage this year, 2023, going to Canton, Ohio. That is the shrine of Rhoda Wise and Mother Angelica. And we ask you, what would you like to do? Where would you like to go? We'd like to do some day trips to Little Rose Farron. So we'll have a bus hired at a very modest price, and we can be going there and then stopping for lunch. I know some of you have some great ideas of what you would like our radio station to do. We have to be active. We have to evangelize our faith. It's our duty to help spread our Catholic faith. So if you have any suggestions of your own as to how this can be done, by all means, share them with us. On the WQPH 89.3 FM community calendar, at St. Cecilia's Parish, 180 Mechanic Street, Lemonson, Massachusetts, there is going to be reflections on proclaiming the gospel of life in a post-row world. That's going to be Saturday, February 4th, from 10 a.m. to noon, and will be presented by Monsignor Moroni. Again, that will be at St. Cecilia's Parish, 180 Mechanic Street, Saturday morning, February 4th, from 10 a.m. to noon. Monsignor Moroni will present reflections on proclaiming the gospel of life in a post-row world. Once that's done, there will be an hour of adoration of the Blessed Sacrament intercession for all life from birth to natural death. Again, February 4th, 10 to noon at St. Cecilia's Parish in Lemonster. This has been the WQPH 89.3 FM Community Calendar. We invite you to say the prayer to St. Michael the Archangel. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, thrust into hell Satan and all evil spirits who wander through the world seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. On the WQPH 89.3 FM community calendar, St. Bernard's Parish at St. Camillus Church in Mechanic Street in Fitchburg is looking for doors for their days of adoration. Adoration is currently Monday after the 8.30 a.m. daily Mass till 7 p.m. and Tuesdays after the 8.30 Mass till 4 p.m. They're also looking for adorers on Sundays to start the first week of Advent. That'll be running from after the 8 a.m. Mass till after the 6 p.m. Mass on Sundays. If you have an interest in doing adoration on either of those days, or in the Sunday adorations, email us at wqph893 at comcast.net. That's wqph893 at comcast.net, subject line, adoration. This has been the WQPH 89.3 FM Community Calendar. 
This is Deacon Bob Connor of First Concerned Pregnancy Resource Center, Clinton and Marlboro, and you are listening to WQPH 89.3 FM, Shirley Fitchburg. The 40 days of Mary's purification are now completed, and she must go up to the temple, there to offer to God her child Jesus. What a journey was this of Mary and Joseph from Bethlehem to Jerusalem. The divine babe is in his mother's arms. She had him on her heart the whole way. Heaven and earth and all nature are sanctified by the gracious presence of their merciful Creator. Men look at this mother as she passes along the road with her sweet Jesus. Some are struck with her appearance. Others pass her by as not worth a look. But of the whole crowd, there was not one that knew he had been so close to the God who had come to save him. Joseph is carrying the humble offering which the mother is to give to the priest. They are too poor to buy a lamb. Besides, their Jesus is the Lamb of God, who taketh away the sins of the world. The law required that a turtle or dove should be offered in the place of a lamb, when the mother was poor. Innocent birds, emblems of purity, fidelity, and simplicity. Joseph has also provided the five sickles, the ransom to be given for the firstborn son, Mary's only son, who has made us his brethren, and by adopting our nature to render us partakers of his. At length, the Holy Family entered Jerusalem. While Mary, the living Ark of the Covenant, is ascending the steps which lead up to the temple, carrying Jesus in her arms, let us be attentive to the mystery. One of the most celebrated of the prophecies is about to be accomplished in this infant. We have already had the other predictions fulfilled of his being conceived of a virgin and born in Bethlehem. Today he shows us a further title to our adoration. He enters the temple. The Emmanuel has left Bethlehem. He has come among the people. He is about to take possession of his temple, and the mere fact of his entering it will at once give it a glory which is far above that of its predecessor. He will often visit it during his mortal life, but his coming to it today, carried as he is in Mary's arms, is enough for the accomplishment of the promise and all the shadows and figures of this temple at once pale before the rays of the sun of truth and justice. The blood of oxen and goats will, for a few more years, flow on its altar, but the infant, who holds in his veins the blood that is to redeem the world, is at this moment standing near that very altar. Among the priests who are there, and among the crowd of Israelites, who are moving to and fro in the sacred building, there are a few faithful ones who are in expectation of the Deliverer, and they know that the time of his manifestation is at hand. But there is not one among them who knows that at this very moment the Messiah has entered the house of God. But this great event could not be accomplished without a prodigy being wrought by the eternal God as a welcome to his Son. The shepherds had been summoned by the angel, and the magi had been called by the star when Jesus was born in Bethlehem. This time it is the Holy Ghost himself who sends a witness to the infant, now in the great temple. There was then, living in Jerusalem, an old man whose life was well-nigh spent. His name was Simeon. His heart had longed unceasingly for the Messiah, and at last his hope was recompensed. The Holy Ghost revealed to him that he should not see death without first seeing the rising of the divine light. As Mary and Joseph were ascending the steps of the temple to take Jesus to the altar, Simeon felt within himself the strong impulse of the Spirit of God, He leaves his house and walks towards the temple. 
The ardor of his desire makes him forget the feebleness of his age. He reaches the porch of God's house, and there, among the many mothers who had come to present their children, his inspired gaze recognizes the virgin of whom he had so often read in Isaiah, and he presses through the crowd to the child she is holding in her arms. Mary, guided by the same divine spirit, welcomes the saintly old man and puts into his trembling arms the dear object of her love, the salvation of the world. Happy Simeon, figure of the ancient world, grown old in its expectation and near its end. No sooner has he received the sweet fruit of life than his youth is renewed as that of the eagle, and in his person is wrought the transformation which was to be granted to the whole human race. He cannot keep silence. He must sing a canticle. He must do as the shepherds and magi had done. He must give testimony. Now, says he, now, O Lord, thou dost dismiss thy servant in peace, because my eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all peoples, a light that is to enlighten the Gentiles, and give glory to thy people Israel. Immediately there comes, attracted to the spot by the same Holy Spirit, the holy Anna, Phanuel's daughter, noted for her piety, and venerated by the people on account of her great age. Simeon and Anna, the representatives of the Old Testament, unite their voices and celebrate the happy coming of the child who is to renew the face of the earth. They give praise to the mercy of God, who in this place, in this second temple, gives peace to the world, as the prophets had foretold. This was the peace so long looked forward to by Simeon, and now in this peace he will sleep. Now, O Lord, as he says in his canticle, Thou dost dismiss thy servant, according to thy word in peace. His soul, quitting its bond of the flesh, will now hasten to the bosom of Abraham, and bear to the elect, who rest there, the tidings that peace has appeared on the earth, and will soon open heaven. Anna has some years still to pass on earth. As the evangelist tells us, she has to go and announce the fulfillment of the promises to such of the Jews as were spiritually minded and looked for the redemption of Israel. The divine seed is sown. The shepherds, the magi, Simeon and Anna, have all been its sowers. It will spring up in due time. And when our Jesus has spent his thirty years of hidden life in Nazareth, and shall come for the harvest time, he will say to his disciples, Lift up your eyes and see the countries, for they are white already for the harvest. Pray ye the Lord of the harvest, that he send laborers into his harvest. Simeon gives back to Mary the child she is going to offer to the Lord. The two doves are presented to the priest, who sacrifices them on the altar. The price for the ransom is paid, the whole law is satisfied. And after having paid her homage to her Creator in this sacred place, where she spent her early years, Mary, with Jesus pressed to her bosom, and her faithful Joseph by her side, leaves the temple. Such is the mystery of this fortieth day, which closes by this admirable feast of the purification, the holy season of Christmas. Dr. Paul Lavin, a traditional Catholic psychologist, summarizes in vivid detail the challenges young Catholics must face today. In his book, Keeping the Faith, A Young Catholic's Guide to Coping with a Secular World, Dr. Lavin identifies the enemy, Satan, and his increasing influence in the world. He wrote this 66-page manual specifically for the young practicing Catholic student who will soon be leaving home and entering the world. 
to help them avoid becoming Catholic dropouts once they enter a secular world so antagonistic to their Catholic faith. You can receive a free copy of Keeping the Faith by contacting info at saintbenedict.com. That's info at s-a-i-n-t benedict, b-e-n-e-d-i-c-t dot com. Let us adore the infant Jesus in his cradle as the great master of humility. Let us unite ourselves with the angels who adore him all the more profoundly because they see him in this state of humiliation. Let us share their sentiments. Let us give our hearts to this great God who is a little child. The lesson of humility which the child Jesus gives us in the cradle. Humility is all the more admirable in proportion as the person who humbles himself is more elevated by his nature and that he places himself lower by his own free choice. Now in this cradle, the dignity of him who humbles himself is infinite, and his humiliation cannot be more profound. He who knows all appears as though he were ignorant. He who can do all things appears to be nothing but powerlessness. He who fills immensity is reduced to the form of a little child, and he who is the eternal word is mute. O holy humility, how eloquently you speak to human pride, to worldly haughtiness, which desires to raise itself, to make an appearance, and to lord it over others. If thou, who art so great, so holy, so perfect, art so humble, what ought we to be, we who are so little, so miserable, so full of defects? It is in beholding thee with faith, hope, and love that all the saints have learned to love humble and modest positions, a hidden life, obscure functions to take from their exterior and their manners all that is not sufficiently simple and which is impregnated with the desire to please others, to rejoice to pass for less than others. Minor, like St. Francis of Assisi, it is still every day when gazing on thee in, in thy cradle, O divine infant, that we understand the words of the gospel, unless you be converted and become as little children, you shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. A little child in his cradle does not esteem himself and does not believe himself to be capable of great things. If he possesses good natural qualities of body or of mind, of heart or of character, he does not esteem himself any the more for them. He feels his ignorance and weakness, his powerlessness and his inexperience, and in consequence he places himself below everyone. Let him be honored or let him be despised, let him be praised or let him be blamed. It is all the same to him. He pays no heed to what is said or what is thought by those around him. It is true that these sentiments have no merit in him, but they ought to be found in us under the form of virtue. May we hence learn to respect Christian littleness, which preserves from so many sins and hides so much greatness. We ought to carry into practice the lesson of humility which Jesus gives us in the cradle. God holds the proud in horror. He resists them and will not ally himself with them. On the other hand, he looks with complacence on humble hearts. If you rise, he flies from you. If you humble yourselves, he comes down to you, says St. Augustine. There can no more be any solid virtue without humility than there can be a house without a foundation a treasure which is in security without a guardian to watch over and defend it. 
For humility is the essential basis of the whole of the spiritual edifice. It is the guardian of all virtues, so that devoid of it, the most lofty virtue is corrupted and becomes the vile nourishment of self-love, an establishing of man in himself instead of his establishment in God. From the House Stops is produced by the slaves of the Immaculate Heart of Mary, Still River, Massachusetts.